until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. This morning we looked at before he went into the sanctuary, his feet were unstable. His focus was unbiblical. His foes were unbeatable. His findings were untruthful. And his frustration was unbearable. He was in a mess. His thinking was all crazy. His perception of what was true was distorted. And he literally, verses 1 through 16 of Psalm 73, and you can read it when you get home because you just read and you can just read of the mess his thinking's all in. He's looking at the the wicked and he said, man, they prosper and they never have a problem. And his thinking's all messed up. But in verse 17, he does the right thing. He goes to church until I went into the sanctuary. He went to church and God helped him. When he got to church, verse 17, the slippery ground of human perspective steps quietly into shouting ground of heavenly perspective. When he went to church, oh Asaph, God changed his entire thinking. Follow with me as I give you six points. Number one, he admitted his foolishness. Verse 22, so foolish was I and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. Literally, he was grieved in his heart by what he was thinking. He said, man, how foolish I was. He, he's embarrassed. He, he's, he said, I, I felt like a dumb animal in the sight of God. His frame of mind, the whole mood of the Psalms changes when he went to church. Notice the transformation. Verse 2, he's on slippery ground himself. But verse 18, he realizes this, that the wicked, those out of the house of God, are on the slippery ground. Verse 3, he envied the foolish. Verse 22, he admits, I've been foolish. Verse 4, he thought of the strength of the wicked was firm. But in verse 27, he said, No, my strength in God is firm. Theirs is not. So he admitted his foolishness. Notice, he acknowledged his failures. Here's a man that when he got to the house of God, his, his thinking has been so crazy. He, he's been thinking all of this crazy stuff and he gets to church and when he begins to realize, he said, man, my thinking has been out there 
and he acknowledges his failures, let me say this. Anyone that cannot acknowledge their failures can never be helped. If God cannot touch your heart to understand we all fail and come short of the glory of God. We all mess up sometimes. We all, we all need that help from the Lord. There'll be times we, we was privileged to be in a meeting and a, a shepherd just escaped me and Darlene and preachers and the wives and oh man, the preacher was just so good and it helped us so much in an area that we so needed it. Oh, he acknowledged. He said, my flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Tonight, God has helped many of you, but it started with you acknowledging I needed that help. If you don't want any help, you won't get it. If you don't feel you need any help, you won't get it. But if you come with a, a, a tender heart and you can hear that voice, when you need help, God says, He acknowledged His failures. See what He had done. He is a, and He's a Christian. He's, a, he's one of God's very best. But He's allowed His flesh. How many of you understand something? You cannot trust his flesh. Amen. How many understands that? And the Jeremiah said this 17, the heart is desperate, deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And who can know it? He had listened to his heart before and he went to the sanctuary and his heart had deceived him. Do you understand this? Many times we make decisions and on how we feel with no biblical standing at all. And it's amazing we take what we feel and we give it status above what God has said in His Word. It's amazing. I hear this all the Well, I feel. Uh, I, 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 I believe. May I, may I remind you how I feel and what I believe does not trump what this book says. What God says trumps how I feel and what I believe. If God said it in the book, it's true. And he's not going to debate with us about it. And so he said he acknowledged his failures. Notice he adjusted his focus. In verse 3, he confessed he'd been envious at the foolish. But notice here in verse 25, there is none I, whom have I in heaven but thee. There is none upon earth that I desire besides thee. He'd been watching the, the foolish and envying them and what they had but when he gets in the house of God, starts looking at God, he said, I changed my mind. I just want you. He said, I just want you. He said, I, I, they ain't have it. I just want you. He changed his focus. It's amazing. He went from desiring the foolish to desiring the father. 
He went from coveting the godless to craving God. Before he went to the sanctuary, he thought the wicked were invincible. They couldn't, they couldn't be beaten. But when he went to the house of God, he realized something very, very quickly how temporal they were. Now let me say this. We have to come to the place when we look at stuff in, in, in the right way. We, we've got to get honest with our own hearts. Now, now listen, we, we've all got family members. we got family members that are not here tonight. We've got to get honest enough with ourselves and, and, and not condone their actions or give excuses why they're doing it. We've got to look at that and say, well, they're on slippery ground. They're in trouble. They're going, to, they're, they're going to end up in trouble. They're, they're, they're on slippery ground. And they're going to end up in trouble. And we need to live, we need to understand how, how much trouble, we need to look at that honestly and say, God, they need help. Stop making excuses. Stop putting them on a pedestal. Because this, 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 this. No, if they're not in the house of God, they're failing. They're not winning. Oh, but they got a great career. Apart from God, you ain't got nothing. Hey, a big house. Apart from God, you ain't got nothing. God doesn't mind you having a big house. You just keep him first. God don't mind you're wealthy. Keep him first. It's not about the money or the house. It's about where you place him. And when we place anything above God, that becomes the God we're serving. And so we get distorted. And we have to start looking at it honestly. Right right straight the way it is and say, you know, I know that's my family member. I love them. They're in trouble. They're going down the wrong path. We, we, we got to just, just get on it. You know why? Because you'll never pray for them. Could I be so brave as to give you something that some of you never heard or never done? Can I be so brave as to say that you get so burdened that you'll pray and fast for them. To push away the food with a burden so heavy that you begin to ask God to touch them. Because some things come not by, by prayer and fasting. I know we Baptists don't talk much about that. But we all, it's in the book. It's in the book. And so the reality is, see, when Asaph, he discovered some things. Verse 23, I got to hurry. Verse 23, nevertheless, I'm continually with the, he realized, the presence of God. I, I think God showed up tonight. I, 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 I got to I, I thinking that, wow, glad he's showing up. Yeah, how do you know he showed up? Because he's touched one here, one there, one this, one there, one. And I, I can't do that. I can't do that. 
And notice verse 24, the protection of God. He said this, he said, uh, thou should guide me with thy counsel and afterwards receive me to glory. Notice verse 25, the person of God. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides thee. Oh my good, my flesh and my heart fell, but God is strength in my heart and my portion forever. See how he's thinking. His mindset has changed. His thinking is totally different. I wonder when you get in your car and drive up the road, I wonder, what's in your thinking? Not what's in your wallet, what's in your thinking? What's your, what's your mindset? Isn't it amazing how the devil, how the devil will rob us? Somebody make a face, or we think they made a face. They just might have bad gas. But they think you made, made a face and you're mad the whole service and you go up the road and say, my God, I'm going to slide their face off next time I see them. <laughs> when there's nothing true about it whatsoever, the devil just knows you. He knows if he can get your attention. He, he, he'll get you, get you sidetracked. How you know that preacher? Because I've done it. I've gotten sidetracked. I've gotten sidetracked a time or two. I'm sorry to say that, but I have. And the reality is we get sidetracked and we miss what God has to say and the devils are clapping and, and making fun of you and Jesus is saying, oh my God, I had some born this morning and they totally missed it. Boy, he adjusted his focus. He advanced his fellowship. But it is good for me, verse 28, to draw near to God. I put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. Basically, it boils down to this. It's where you're looking and where you're standing. Psalms 1 says, Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of scorn. It all depends on where you're standing and where you're looking. I must be honest tonight. And it's just to my shame. But the devil's got my eyes on one or two of you. And I've even tried to preach the devil out of you. To my shame. But the reality is, what a blessed day when I realize, God, if you don't touch their hard heart, I can't touch them. And if you don't change them, they wouldn't change. And if I could change them, they'll be in the same mess next week. And I have to be changed all over again. But if you change them, God, you touch them. You speak to their heart. You do something. And it'll last more than a day or two. It'll last from my own. 
Oh, the reality. I'm glad God helped me to just to turn that mess loose. And I'm going to tell you what's the truth tonight. I, I'm not worried. I, I, there's not a person I know of that I'm concerned to I'm, I'm burdened for some people and I'm that I pray for them. But I want you to know something. I'm looking for God to help you. I understand something. If God don't help you, there's nobody else can help you. But He can. You know, he's a master. When we was little, we were poor and we didn't, didn't know it, but we were. And, uh, and uh, I, had, I had two brothers, Eddie and Robert. And we had this great big old iron bed. He has a big, huge bed. And we all slept together. Because we was poor and that's where our place had to put us. We'd get in our cup, cutting up, you know, just like boys. Dad say, "Boys, what down in there?" He wouldn't ask but once. And the next time, we went to mattress diving. He would do something. He drunk all the covers off, and I'm telling you, there was no place to hide. You know what God's a master at? God's a master tonight. I'm just jerking all the covers off. Yes. He don't ask you. He'll jerk all the covers off and expose you for exactly the way you are and what you need. Because he's a master doing that. Because he wants to help you. He advanced. Notice he affirmed his faith. Nevertheless, in verse 23, I'm continually with thee. Thou hast holding me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterwards receive me to glory. He made a poor decision. He said this, I'm, not going, I'm, I'm no longer going to let what he thought was happening to be his God. He's going to trust God. This past year, a whole lot of people have trusted science more than they've trusted God. Trusted a newscast more than they've trusted God. Trusted what somebody said on the job more than they've trusted God. He said, I'm not going to go there. He said, I'm no longer going to do that. I'm going to trust God. He said, I'm no longer going to let what happened to the foolish and the wicked be my compass. He said, I'm no longer going to let what others said influence me. Boy, wouldn't that be something? If you could get to the place, you wouldn't fall all to pieces because somebody said something. What a, how powerful it is when we let other people decide us. One thing about getting old, the older I get, the less I care about what people think. Because I figure this way. The ones that love me is going to love me anyway. The ones that ain't going, don't love me, and I don't understand you at all, but those that don't love me are not going to love me no matter what I do. So why in the world should we even care? Why should we even care? Why don't we care about what God thinks about us? Why don't we think, why don't we go to God and say, God, what do you think? Psalm 73, Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterwards receive me to glory. 
Then last of all, he accepts his function. He said, it's good for me to draw near to God and I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. You know what he does? Before he went to the sanctuary, he's going to throw up his hands and quit. But you know what he does after he goes in the sanctuary? He says, God, it's time for me to get back on my, the job. It's time for me to get back in my place. Time for me to get back to teaching my class. Time for me to get back to singing in the choir. It's time for me to get back in my place. After he went to the sanctuary, he said, I think it's been crazy. I believe the psalmist Oasis said, Lord, I'm so sorry. I think it's been all crazy. And now it's time for me. It's time, it's time for me to get back faithful again. I used to be. Time for me to get back faithful. It's time, it's time for me to get back in the choir. I used to sing there. It's time for me to get back to Sunday school. You know, 10 o'clock Sunday morning, Sunday school. Time for me to get back to, to doing what I know to do. Time for me to get back to being a witness on my job. Time for me to get back to my prayer life. Time for me to get back to the book. See, before he went in the sanctuary, he didn't have anything to sing about. But now he does. So I'll stand to her feet.